Welcome to Ruling Sports, a podcast giving you a playbook for life. I'm your host, Alicia Jessup. Join me as I interview athletes, leaders, and innovators to uncover their game plans for success and give you insights to rule your life. Let the play clock begin. What is the greatest decision you've been faced with in life? What were the consequences and risks at stake? How did you navigate it? In hindsight, what information do you wish you would have had before making it? For gold medal winning Paralympic athlete Jorge Sanchez, the greatest decision of his life came when he was just eight years old. After experiencing recurring pain that he chalked up to growing pains, Jorge realized that he needed to tell his mother what was going on in his body. That led to a series of doctor's visits, tests, and scans, ultimately revealing that Jorge had osteogenic sarcoma, a form of bone cancer. Two choices awaited Jorge— keep his leg and risk a greater occurrence of cancer, or have the leg amputated and greatly reduce the likelihood of cancer coming back. Jorge's parents told the then eight-year-old that the choice was his. What would you have done? In this episode, Jorge shares how he navigated the gripping decision and how his choice ultimately changed the trajectory of his life. He shares how he sources the confidence now to take risks and why knowing your why or personal mission is a critical tool in helping you navigate and persevere in the hard times. Before cancer, Jorge was a child who loved tetherball and was dominating the t-ball field. After, he was a young person trying to find his place in this world. Jorge tells us about the chance encounter that led him to try wheelchair basketball and how the sport changed his life. Today, Jorge is competing to join Team USA as a member of the wheelchair basketball team that will compete in the 2024 Paralympic Games in Paris. After winning gold in 2020 during a unique Paralympic Games marked by the COVID-19 pandemic, Jorge tells us what's on the line with this opportunity and how he's preparing for it. He also gives great advice on how to avoid giving up even in the face of defeat. He shares insights with listeners on how fans can best support Paralympic athletes and the misconceptions he wishes observers didn't possess about the competitors. You are going to love Jorge's positive, infectious spirit and want to follow along and root him on in his journey back toward gold with Team USA. So now join me in welcoming Jorge Sanchez to the Ruling Sports Podcast. Jorge, welcome. I'm so excited to talk to you about your incredible athletic journey and what you're up to today. Thank you so much for having me. It's such an honor. What goal, quote, or mindset has guided your life? So the quote that like really sticks out to me is, if you want something, go out and get it right. It's not going to be handed to you. Um, so just really like going after something that you're really passionate about relentlessly, right? Like unapologetic, like really believing in yourself and really having to make sacrifices. So that's something that really sticks out to me as well as you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. That's in anything in life. 
if you want to go after something that might be scary, you're never going to achieve that if you don't take that risk, that one step out of your comfort zone to go get it, right? Where do you get the confidence, though, to put yourself out there and take risks? Yes. Yeah, so my, my mother, my mom and dad both came out to the U.S. without knowing the language, without knowing anybody, like no resources whatsoever. She was pregnant with me. Um, so that was like a big risk for them. Right. And then my mom, not knowing English, going into like medical school, like doing that. And then she had to give that up whenever I was diagnosed with cancer. So she sacrificed so much. My father sacrificed so much. Um, so that relentless pursuit, I got it from my parents because they never really gave up and they kept pushing, pushing, pushing. It's the reason why I continue playing the sport and and leaving trying to make this place a better world. That's so awesome. So often we can find confidence by looking to other people. And it's incredible when you have really great role models in your household that you can turn to. Not everyone is so fortunate. So those of you who are listening, who are like, okay, I don't have parents that I can look up to. That that's the beautiful thing about media and especially sports. There's so many people in this industry that you can look up to and say, "Hey, if he or she did it, I can too." That's exactly right. And confidence comes and goes, right? It's waves. I'm not confident 100% of the time. There's games that I'm playing bad or there's something that might happen in my life that like my confidence goes down, but you have to find a way to like Think about it like the bigger picture and really rely on yourself and be like, you know, I'm better than that. I know I can do better and start start building that confidence back up because it might take longer than expected to build the confidence. But I know whenever I had my leg amputated, my confidence was shot. Like I did not believe in anything. I thought my life was over. I was just like, I'm never going to find a wife. I'm never going to be able to go to college. I'm never going to be able to like do stuff like that. It was just like things that I like, went through my mind that, that I was scared about. And that's why I was like super like in a depressive state. Oh my gosh, we, we have so much to unpack here. One question I want to ask real quick though is where are your parents from? Yes, my parents are from Guadalajara, Mexico. And then, yeah, proud, proud Mexican. Love tacos, by the way, mariachi, all of it. Tequila, one of my favorite drinks. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so just like taking that risk. And then they moved over to the Bay Area um, where I was born and raised. Um, and they've been there ever since. Okay, so listen, if you're listening and you own a restaurant or a tequila company, we have someone that you can sponsor right here. <laughs> what What's the best place to get tacos in San Francisco? So I lived out of San Francisco for a very, very long time just because I went to school at University of Texas at Arlington, was there for five years, and then after that moved overseas since there's no professional league here in the States. So I haven't been in a long time, but I love tacos and gordo. It's absolutely amazing. I love it. It's in Hayward. Um, so definitely go visit them if you're in the Bay Area. Recommend it. Awesome people. Great vibes. Great food. So can't really beat it. I, I can second the legitimacy of this recommendation. So very, very good plug. You you already mentioned it, but how old were you when you were diagnosed with cancer? And can you tell us a little bit more about what type of cancer? Absolutely. Yes. I was eight years old when I started to experience pains in my left knee. I'm able to give out randomly and um, I just kind of ignored it just because I was like, ah, it's growing pains, right? I'm eight years old. It's nothing. But the pain kept getting more and more intense, uh, like, and it would even make me throw up at times. So that's why I was like, all right, I got to tell my, I have to tell my mom, like, there's no way I can't like tell my mom. So I told her, um, she took me to the doctor. Of course, I said it was growing pains, give him Tylenol, Advil. He'll be fine. But my mother was persistent on getting an x-ray just because she knew that there was a history of cancer in my family, especially in younger children, which was a little strange, right? Um, so I saw my aunt pass away. She was very similar in age. She's my aunt, but she, we were very similar in age, and she passed away 
due to cancer. My cousin, who was also young, that was younger than me, had leukemia, passed away from cancer. So I, I had a little bit of a background of cancer, but I still wasn't aware. So whenever they did the x-ray and they saw the tumor, um, and I was diagnosed with osteogenic sarcoma, a type of bone cancer, mm-hmm. I wasn't aware of the severity. And in the Latino community, we like to use a Vicks Vapor Rub for everything, right? That's like a remedy that cures all. So I like jokingly said, mom, just rub some Vicks and I'll be fine, you know, and go back out there the next day. I was unaware of exactly what cancer was. And she tried to explain it to me, still couldn't grasp it. And then mm-hmm. once I started the chemotherapy and going into well, all the surgeries and everything, I, I realized it's a, a very, very big deal. And so we did six months of chemotherapy to reduce the size of the tumor. And then after that, I was faced with a tough decision of whether to keep my leg and 50% chance of cancer coming back or amputate my leg with a 5% chance of cancer coming back. And my parents gave me that decision at eight years old. Yes, they're oh. like, this is your life. You're going to live the rest of your life with this decision. We can't, we just can't make it for you. I was tired of the hospitals, tired of the smell of the hospital, the food, the sheets, everything. Like, I just mm-hmm. hated it all, right? Even the nurses and doctors, lovely people, great people, nothing against them. But I was just didn't want to be there anymore. I wanted to go back to playing tetherball. So I decided to have my leg amputated, which at the time might have seemed like the wrong decision because the doctor like pulled the skin a little too much. And the following day, it like erupted open, just like exploded open. So I went into like a three-month coma and they told my parents that I would not survive cancer. So that's like the, when the doubts first started, right, from other people from the outside world. But luckily, I had amazing community, amazing um, nurses that really believed in me and like was never really alone. So I was able to come out of that alive, continued chemotherapy through um, for another year. Many, many complications. The coma was three months long. Total, had 23 surgeries, two years of chemotherapy and, and the... Um, near-death experience and um, I would I thought life would go back to normal after that but I was very very wrong uh, as I would say like maybe the after effects were even tougher than the actual experience just because I mean I had so much medicine and I really didn't even know what was going on it was just like mm. it's kind of like a blur right like my mind mm. kind of blocked that like I don't really recall a lot of instances because um, mm. I guess it's like a coping mechanism for the mm. brain right you just kind of like put it in the back of your head but I mean, I had no confidence talking about that. I was ashamed of who I was. Most of my days were spent like on the bed playing video games and not wanting to like go out in public because I was ashamed and embarrassed of missing a leg, Mm. having to use a wheelchair, putting a prosthetic on. And you were so little. I mean, eight is such a tender age. Very, very little. It was, uh, I mean, it it seemed like the wrong decision then, but looking back at it now, like people ask me nowadays, like, would you like give up like, everything that you've accomplished, everything that you've done, the people you've met um, to have your leg back. Absolutely not. It was, it's just like that shaped me into the person that I am. The community that I was able to build throughout that process has helped me become the Jorge Sanchez that is now Jorge Sanchez, right? And to be able to give back and do that for younger generations is, is what I strive to do, to continue to push that Paralympic movement and, and really level out the playing field and receive the same opportunities. Because it may seem to others from the outside that we do have equal opportunities, but that is not the case. Do you want exclusive insights from your favorite athletes, sport industry leaders, and innovators delivered straight to your inbox? Subscribe today to the Ruling Sports Newsletter. The Ruling Sports Newsletter cuts the mystery out of success by bringing you leadership tools, entrepreneurial strategies, business insights, and wellness tips straight from some of the world's most positively impactful people. So go to rulingsports.com today and subscribe for free.
All right. So we, we, we have a lot to unpack. One thing I'm curious about now that you're an adult, have you ever asked your parents if they hadn't given you the choice, what they would have chosen? Yes, I have had that conversation and they would have chosen to keep my leg just because they didn't want their son to be like different, right? They wanted, they didn't want to like see me struggle, right? With mm -hmm. the prosthetics, with stuff like that, because they have lived that with my aunt and my cousin that had cancer previously. Mm -hmm. And they saw how hard it was to adapt um, the opportunities that they had um, versus like people that are able-bodied and stuff like that. They knew that like hardship was coming. Granted, they didn't express that to me back then, but I'm sure my mom, I mean, we did third, fourth, fifth opinions from doctors from all over the place and, and they all recommended length amputated. So for me, it was a very easy decision. So you're eight years old. You mentioned tetherball. You have an incredible Ted talk that we will link to in the show notes. I loved tetherball. So I would have loved to have played <laughs> um, with you. Um, we still can. We still can. <laughs> let's go. I, does anyone have one these days? I, I, I think it's easy to make though. I think we can put like, just the ball on the string. Put it on the pole. Put it in I'm the down. Ground. So if, if you can find the tetherball pool, like, but I'm competitive let's... now. Me too. Okay. So this weekend, uh, maybe we can do like a fundraiser or something. So cool. Were you into sports though before the age of eight? Were you playing sports, watching sports? Yes. Um, dad is a huge soccer fan. He loves Las Chivas de Guadalajara. That's where he's from. Um, so always soccer on TV, like Saturdays and Sundays, basically like my dad would not leave the house. My mom's like, Hey, we got to go do this. He's like, all right, I'll see y'all later. Watching soccer. Like all day. I was actually almost a fan of the rival just because I like going against my dad and like poking at him and all that. Just like that, like friendly rivalry type thing. Um, so huge fan of soccer growing up and then baseball, huge open athletic fans. Eric wow. Chavez was like my hero growing up, right? Because um, he was Latino, the last name, all of that. And I was like, I want to play baseball growing up. Like, that's what I want to do. So I played T-ball for a year. I was actually pretty good there was like potential there and a lot of like the, the coaches were like oh like you got to keep going keep going but then I was diagnosed with cancer wow and you know I really appreciate your mindset because no one should have to go through what you went through so I, I hate when people are like oh wow but like isn't it great that now you see all the positive things but what I do love though is even though this isn't something you should have had to have experienced you have been able to find the goodness you have been able to find the way that your life has maybe gained even greater meaning because of this pain point. Agreed. And not only for me, but for my family as well. You know, like it was a very, very tough to, like point in, in, in their lives, right? My mom's going to school for like nursing and stuff like that. And she had to give that up. And then she went into real estate after. And now she's like a successful real estate agent, you know? So like everything happens for a reason, right? Um, I'm a firm believer in that. I mean, we could sit here and feel sorry for ourselves, but that's not going to get us anywhere. Time doesn't stop ticking. Life goes on. So you can continue to take, I like to say that one step, right? one step at a time. That's all it takes to out of your comfort zone or to, to achieve exactly what you want to do. See, I, I think there's a quote that says something to the effect of hard times don't last, strong people do. And you yeah. might be going through a really horrible, awful, unfair season. That season isn't a lifetime. And so remember the good times, remember the wins, remember the positive moments and give this hard time your greatest fight until you get out of it. Exactly. My why is like whenever I'm having a hard time, I always resort to like, why? Right. Like, why do I play wheelchair basketball? Why am I doing this? And that really like it's like 
keeps me grounded and it's just like, no, I have to keep going. You know, like you said, these tough times ain't going to last that long. I'm way tougher than this. I survived cancer. I can do absolutely anything. And, and, and that's what I try to tell everybody in the world. It's just like, there are no limits in life. The only ones that we have are the ones that we set ourselves. Um, so I'm a firm believer that anything is possible. Love it. Love it. Okay. So you mentioned wheelchair basketball as a kid, you were crushing everyone at tetherball. You had this <laughs> t-ball career growing. Then unfortunately your leg is amputated. How did you come to play wheelchair basketball? Yeah. So, I mean, back in like the two, early 2000s, we didn't have social media, you know, like we didn't have all that stuff. So I wasn't aware that there were sports um, for adaptive athletes. So I was clueless. I thought it was like, I really thought my life was over. Like, I'm just going to be dependent on my mom and dad. They babied me a lot because I mean, of what I've gone through. And, and I really encourage parents not to baby their child if they have diverse abilities, because it, it really does, doesn't like set us up for like a good future, right? I'm very dependent on other people. So that was a little hard for me to adjust when I went to college. Um, but back to basketball, uh, my mother invited me to go out to a grocery store. I'm sure you're going to know um, which one. Couldn't pass up the samples, right? Like, I was like, I'm going to get these samples. <laughs> yes, and Costco. Then, Costco should sponsor you, there too. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Um, and my dad is actually a butcher for Costco. So funny thing is, like, it came, like, full circle, you know. But a guy named Mike approached uh, my mother and I and asked if I had ever tried wheelchair basketball. We looked at each other like dumbfounded. We were like, wheelchair basketball? Like, what is that, you know? So he invited me out to Bort Bay Area Outreach Recreational Program. So anybody in the Bay Area that needs a sports program, they don't just do basketball. They do track and field, a lot of kayaking, a lot of, um, like, racing, stuff like that. Highly recommend visiting that. Um, when I strapped into that wheelchair and saw these amazing athletes of, of different abilities, right, it, it opened my eyes to a new world. I was like, they look so happy, so free. Just like having a blast out there, pushing up and down so fast. I was like, oh my God, like this is amazing. And I have a little bit of blisters on my hands. As you can see, I just had like trials with Team USA last weekend. Um, so, I mean, I, I was like, oh my God, this is so painful. My hands are like bleeding, all of that. Um, so it was a little hard to get started. But like once I started traveling, meeting new people, found a newfound self-confidence about myself and, and really figured out that my life isn't that hard, right? Like not wow. to compare, but just like, I'm just missing the leg. People don't like when I say I'm just missing the leg, but it, it, it's the truth. Like I can get up if I need to go upstairs or mm -hmm. um, to go to the bathroom, I can just hop over at nighttime as opposed to people that have spinal cord injuries got to transfer mm -hmm. into a chair. Sometimes the, the door isn't wide enough, so they can't go into that restaurant. Sometimes, like to go to the bathroom in, um, on an airplane, for example, most of the people have to crawl on the floor. And that's oh, like wow. deep. Like, that's super degrading. Like, wow. what are we doing? It's 2023. So they wow. crawl to the floor in the bathroom, which is absolutely disgusting. Mm. You know, and like airlines still haven't figured out uh, a solution to this. But it's just stuff like that that really opened my eyes to like a different world, right? And really became a part of that um, community. Remind me, how old were you when you started playing? Yes, I was 12 years old when I started playing. If you haven't seen wheelchair basketball, stop this episode right now. Go on to YouTube. I mean, the, the caliber of athletes. This is not easy. How did your first go at it go? I mean, I was falling everywhere because, I mean, they do have like anti-tippers on the back. So in regular wheelchairs, you can like pop a willy and all that. But they do anti-tippers on the back. Just so when we go up for a rebound and lean back, we don't fall backwards. Lean back a little too much and you're going fast. You're going to spin out of like the way and just 
fall over. So I was terrible at first, terrible, but it was a new challenge to me. It was like exciting, right? It was something that, that I really wanted to take on and wanted to dominate. And I had an amazing coach in Tim Orr who believed in me and also helped me grow as a person, not just uh, on the court. And I'm super grateful for him, all my teammates. But yeah, that was awful. I couldn't reach the hoop because uh, the hoop is 10, 10 feet. Um, wow. Balls the regular size, three-pointers the same. We have an eight-second backcourt, 24-second shot clock. The only thing we can do is carry the ball um, just because well, we're pushing in the wheelchair and all yeah, that. Yeah, I, I feel like that's fair. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. We get a little bit, but the traveling rule is exactly the same. Like every time we touch the wheel, that's considered a step. So you get two touches of the wheel, and then you got to dribble. Would love for everybody to watch it. That's like first step. But then – people to come out and try it. Like yeah. that's what like I really enjoy, you know, because you found you find a new respect for those athletes. And that's what we are. We're we're Paralympic athletes, but we're athletes, just athletes, you know, that put in the exact same amount of work, if not more, because we do have we're like confined to a wheelchair or or whatever, you know. So we have to work a little bit harder to compensate for that. Hey everyone, I hope you're enjoying the show. Please don't forget to rate, subscribe, and review Ruling Sports on iTunes or your favorite podcast streaming service. It goes a long way to growing the show. Thank you for your support. I, I, I love it. And you you are far more than athletes. The level of coordination and skill. I, I like that call out. Go try it. Let, let, let's see. I, yeah, you I mean. Go and do this. It's I, I know I couldn't do it, but I'll I'll still try it to make everybody. If someone everybody thinks they can and they think they're going to be really good and think wheelchair basketball is not a sport, put up like your paycheck and I'll put mine up as well. <laughs> we'll go one-on-one -on -one and see who comes out victorious. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not putting up my paycheck for that because I know, but if anyone else wants to like call me, I'm, I'm definitely down to come watch. So you start this venture, it's difficult at first, but then you become really, really, really good. You are a Paralympic gold medalist in the sport of wheelchair basketball, but making the team wasn't easy. You made the team, but then in 2014, 2015, and 2016, you were cut. Yes. Why didn't you give up? Yeah, um, I mean, it would be disrespectful to everybody that's, like, supported me and, like, really been there along the way through the good and bad times, right? I've received so much support from family, from, from friends, from just community neighbors, from, from doctors, coaches, everybody. And, and I was like, I can't give up. This is my dream too. Like I want to be a Paralympic gold medalist. I deserve to go after what I want and do it relentlessly. The doctors had told me that I wouldn't survive cancer, told my parents I wouldn't survive cancer. So I had conquered the game of life. I was like, why can't I conquer the game of wheelchair basketball? And, and I just did not give up. I was like, I'm going to keep going, keep going, keep going. So yeah, those three years were definitely difficult, definitely more mental than physical because I knew that physically I was there, right? But just like, as when you reach that level, it's just like more mental than actual like physical because like everybody's kind of like on an even playing field, like everybody's like in shape, strong, fast, all of that, right? But once I started to change my mentality and all of that, I saw a lot of growth in my play and and. 2017 made the team once again and haven't looked back since and looking forward to next year Paris um, that was a special place in my heart hopefully going from back to back why is it a special place yes so in 2018 after the world championships in Hamburg um, my fiance and I and a couple friends went out to Paris and I ended up proposing to her there um, so I'm really looking forward to 
to sharing a special moment once again with her there in Paris, not only go back to like the Love Lock Bridge or wherever we put our Love Lock and actually got engaged, but to also make new memories and win gold medals and, and having family in my community there. Is it your fiance or have you gotten married? Now she's my wife. Yeah, now wife. Yes, we got married last year in the Canary Islands. What's her name? Her name is Crystal Diaz Sanchez. Awesome. And I, I early in the episode, so spoiler alert, I knew he was married because I scoped out the Instagram, <laughs> but um, or earlier you said that as you were facing the prospect of losing your leg, you were fearful that you would never get married. Not only did he get married, listen, I'm a heterosexual woman. I love men. <laughs> Your wife is hot. Like she is oh, 10 you. out of 10. You did great. <laughs> I mean, that's not retired. I was like, I got to retire. Like, what, what am I doing here? You know? So no, she's absolutely amazing. Not only her looks, but just the, the woman that she is, right? She like, also seems so really cool. nice. <laughs> but she's, she's, oh, she's awesome. Okay. So you finally make the team again. You win gold in 2020. What, what does that feel like? Yeah, it was a, a lot of mixed emotions, right? Just because like, the fear of maybe not making the, like not having the Paralympics, the fear of like testing positive for COVID and all that. It really felt like a, just a weight off my shoulders. That's really what it felt like earlier today. I was like, the it was brought up that I actually put the gold medal on my teammate. And that was a moment that was super special. Um, just because like, usually you have somebody put the gold medal on you and then you continue down the line. Right. But to be able to put that on my brother, um, that, that, that we went to battle together and so just tell them how proud we are. And like, we did this, you know, like we're forever cemented in history. Like nobody's ever going to forget about this team. Um, all the obstacles, all the, we had to persevere through so much. It was amazing. I still get like the chills thinking about that moment. Was that a COVID thing? Why you put the medal on him or? Yep. Yep. I mean, we had masks on the podium and all that. I know, right? I was like, man, you got to see my smile. <laughs> oh. But yeah, we had masks and all that. So yeah, it was very different. And that's why I'm looking forward to Paris because I'm going to experience that full Paralympic experience, right? The opening ceremonies, fans on the stands. Like, that's awesome. You know, that's something that that we thrive off of and, and really enjoy. Yeah, wow. I, I feel like the, the brain is a powerful thing because I had forgotten about all of this. You you literally competed in a Paralympics with no fans in the stands, no. really. The stadium was like at least 20,000 people fit in there. But, and there was like no one in the stands. Like we had a couple cameras and photographers and that was it. So we would hear our teammates, which was also awesome. Just the support that you would receive from your teammates because you can really hear them and what they say um, is super empowering. What does your preparation look like coming into the 24 games? Yeah, so people think it's just like a, a year preparation. No, no, no. It's like a lifelong uh, preparation, right? We have a quad it's every four years, and there's tournaments between that. Like we have the America's Cup, uh, World Championships, and then we have Parapan Games, which is actually coming up in November. So we'd love for everybody to to support us on our journey to qualifying to Paris. Yeah, I mean, my routine looks very different now than what it used to look like back in the day because I did play overseas in because uh, they have a professional league. Here in the States, we do not have a professional league. So over there, I would have the freedom to go do basically whatever I wanted. I can wake up whatever time. Um, sleep is super important for recovery. So definitely slept quite a bit. And then, uh, I mean, shooting, lifting, pra team practice every single day. And then games every Saturday. That's what it looked like over there. Now, we've talked about like the resources, right? The Paralympics don't, don't have the same thing. So I had to come back to the States and get a full-time job. So I work full-time. Still have to find time to do my cardio and my shooting, my lifting, and then also team practices, right? Because there's club teams here that we um, play for recreationally. Um, so roughly 
five to seven hours of training on top of like working full time. So it's, it's very demanding and, and um, it, it kind of hurts when people are like, oh, you're in shape for being in a wheelchair or you're a good shooter for being in a wheelchair. And it's like, no, I'm a good shooter, period. Uh -huh. And uh -huh. I look good. Period. You know, yeah. like yeah. you wish, you wish. And I've yeah. shot around with Steph Curry. I've shot around with like Clay Thompson. All of those like elite level. And I mean, there's no difference whatsoever. Clay's actually sat in a chair. Um, he's absolutely awful, just like I was. But uh -huh. once he started to get used to the wheelchair, I mean, a shooter's a shooter always, right? So um, he was buckets. How epic to say that you shot around <laughs> with those guys, and also how epic for them to say that they shot around with you. Follow me on Instagram, like whenever we go to games, like they like say hi and all that, and that's that's what we want. We want that awareness. We want that respect. We don't want to be seen as like oh poor kids in wheelchairs or like a feel bad story. Like I know we're inspirational for sure, but everybody's inspirational because we all have our challenges. We all have to persevere through difficult situations, and it's not fair to others when we compare each other, right? Because everybody's that different everybody's mind works differently but yeah it's super cool just to, to to have the respect from those athletes means the world that's awesome and you've given us already some great tips that listeners can engage in to support team usa's paralympians is, is there any other top action item you hope listeners engage in yeah, just becoming educated on different disabilities, right? And not all of them are visible to the eye. So we assume like, oh, fake. Uh, I have a prosthetic and I wear jeans sometimes. And we went out for Halloween here in the States um, last year. And somebody asked me if this was my my costume, like being in a wheelchair. And, and it took everything in my power not to, it, it's like insulting, insulting, stuff like that. You know, just like really becoming educated on the different like diverse abilities that there are and we're no different to anybody else. We can do absolutely everything might look a little bit different, but we can do it. So start focusing on what we can do instead of what we can't do. Right. Um, I think that's important. And also just uh, trying out the sport, I think is, is super helpful. It's not very easy to access because wheelchairs are extremely expensive. Um, the resources aren't there. I know I didn't have my personal chair when I was growing up. So I would only get to practice once a week. Um, so imagine if I practiced five times a week, maybe I wasn't cut those three years, right? Wow. Um, I didn't have the, the resources that now we kind of see, um, but still have a very, very long way to go. Wow. Wow. So, so many great call outs there. And man, I, I love people, but sometimes people can really not be great. So it's, it's kind of it's good and the bad, good and the bad. <laughs> kind of maddening. Well, you are so inspiring and we are definitely going to follow your journey to Paris and also follow and support the team. We'll drop some links in the show notes for how we can all do this. What's the best way, though, for listeners to keep up with you? Yeah, um, Instagram is probably the easiest. Social media is find me as athlete underscore Jorge, J-O-R-G-E underscore Sanchez. And I'm always happy to answer questions and help out in any way to continue this movement and, and keeping uh, trying to level out the playing field for people, um, the Paralympians. Awesome. When next time I'm in the Bay, we can go shoot around. I'm going to take you up on that. We'll do a tetherball, shoot around, and then a tackle set of <laughs> Yeah, but I, I'm not going to put my paycheck up against you because I know uh, I'm uh, I guess I'll let it slide this time. <laughs> awesome. Thank you. Best wishes. Thank you so much. Appreciate you. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. I hope you gained wisdom that will help you rule your life. Let's stay connected on social media. We're at Ruling Sports on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Sign up for our weekly newsletter at rulingsports.com and email me your thoughts about the show at alicia at rulingsports.com. 
If you liked what you heard, subscribe, rate, and review the show and join us next time.